The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Well, let's give Jesus a big shout, everybody, if you love him. Oh, come on, Austin, Texas, if you love Jesus. Can... Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, look at three people. Tell them I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. Can you tell them that? one more person by faith and tell them you're looking real good tonight just don't lie but just by faith if you gotta then sings my soul my savior God to thee anybody uh anybody know that song still do we do we still know that song where are my seasoned saints you're not old saints but my seasoned saints y'all know that how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou cross at the cross where I first saw the light where the burden of my past rolled away and it was there by faith I received my sight and I, I am happy all the day what can wash away my sin? Let's have church. Come on. Look for 
you love him, give him some praise. Can I get about 120 people to get up on your feet and give him the greatest shout and the greatest applause you can give him all night? Yay! Come on, somebody shout hallelujah! Holy Week Revival, y'all. This ain't just a normal Sunday morning. So you might as well loose yourself right now and give them all the praise you got. Go ahead and make your neighbor uncomfortable. Go ahead and break out of your comfort zone and really give them a shout. Let that pride go. Let that weariness go. Let Let that demonic attack go right now. Let that weariness go that's trying to fight you back and say, no, I will praise the Lord from the rising of the sun till the setting just the same. The name of the Lord shall be praised. I will not be discouraged. I will not fear. But I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And my praise right now is pushing back the darkness. It is pushing back the devil. It is pushing back sickness. It is pushing back poverty in Jesus' name. Give Him a shout one more time. Come on. Hey. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. Can you just stay with me for a little while longer? First Samuel, uh, we're going to look at a passage very familiar for many of you, First Samuel 17. And we will also look at Acts chapter 13. And I uh, won't keep you too late. But we do, uh, do believe we have a word for you. This evening, 1 Samuel 17, since the last time I was here, I have become a father. Amen. I think we might have a, a, a picture possibly of our, uh, our little girl. Her name is Goldie Ray. Goldie Ray. There she is. Well, she was there and then, come on, somebody. Hey. Goldie Ray. And we call her Golds, Golds. And uh, she's absolutely the joy of our heart. Five months uh, on Friday was five months old. And we're just loving that and uh, uh, blessed tonight to be sent here by my wife. Uh, ten years now. I know I look 12. I know, I know. But I've been married now 10 years. And uh, as they're home tonight, we're, we're preaching here. And, and so I'm grateful for that. And I just want to. Again, Pastor Rex, just thank you for this opportunity. And you're a hero, and we love you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. And I thank God for you, and uh, I want to be like you when I grow up. I've decided. I don't think I've ever seen you in jeans. You're looking good. You're looking real good. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm so grateful for this church and Pastor Brad, the whole team of guys, and just everything that God's doing here. How many know your best days are still in front of you? And uh, you're only going to grow. You're only going to get bigger and better. God's only doing more and more things. And so First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32. And the Bible reads, Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. Notice that Saul said, 
he's been a man since he was a kid. Because <laughs> you can be the people of God and yet have more faith in your enemy than in what God has for you. All right. That was for free. Let's keep going. David persisted. I've taken care of my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if that animal would dare turn on me, I'll catch it by the jaw and I'll club it to death. I've done this to lions. I've done this to bears. And I will do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Here's our key scripture. For the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Just, just for your hearing, Acts 13, 22, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Don't forget, Saul called him a kid. But God called him a man. Just, just tuck that away. It's going to come back in a little bit. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. One more time, just, just because it's powerful. Verse 37 says, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I want to I want to preach to you, but I almost want to prophesy to you. And I want to give you a, the title tonight. The Lord who rescued me will rescue me. The Lord who rescued me will rescue me. Uh, touch your neighbor. Tell him the Lord who rescued you will rescue you. All right. Now testify real quick. Tell him the Lord who rescued me will rescue me. Y'all believe that tonight? Father, thank you for your words. Speak now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Rule and reign in this place. Walk the aisles. Heal every hurting heart. Heal every sick body. Encourage every downtrodden soul. Release the miracle that you know we need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you. God bless you. Can we uh, thank God for the worship team one time? Weren't they just powerful tonight? And all the volunteers, parking lot, children, ushers, greeters, uh, security. We just thank God for all of you tonight. Um, I'm still amazed by Acts 13, 22. It, it amazed me uh, now 18 years ago when I got born again, uh, June 10th, 1998. And it amazes me now that God found me, uh, that he was looking. I found David. Um, I f- he found me. I-, I don't know if this is your testimony, but when God saved me, he found me. I wasn't looking. Now, maybe some of y'all were. Maybe you were in a real dark place and you knew you needed something. I, I-, I didn't know I needed anything until I came face to face with my creator. And I was not looking for him. I was spiritually blind, deaf, and dumb. I was dead in my sin. But he showed up and he found me. This is the God that you serve. He's a God who is seeking. And, and he's, not, he's not looking to see if you're naughty or nice because he already knows you all messed up. <laughs> we don't have to be honest on a Wednesday night during revival, but it's true. So, so, so God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for willingness. He said in the book of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 20, if you would be willing and obedient. I I would go so far to say if you're willing, you will become obedient. 
He said, if you're willing, you will eat the good of the land. God is a heart God. It's not all about intellect and it's not all about the head. He's looking at the heart. He said, I found David and here's, here's, here's what attracted me to him. Not, not that he had it all together. Not that he didn't have issues. Not that he didn't have his own junk in his own trunk. God said, I saw something in his heart that was, that was after me. That was leaning towards me. That was going in my direction. And God said, if I can just see something in your heart that is leaning in my direction, even a centimeter, I will move all of heaven and all of earth to get to you to do something with your life. I found David and tonight... He's knocking on the door of your heart because he's looking for you, friend. Mm. But it's not just that he finds us, he uses us. This is amazing. That God will do something with your life. That God will do something with your family. That God will do something with your last name. That God will do something with with your legacy. That God would do something with your genealogy. That, That God doesn't just find us and then leave us. But he finds us and then he changes us. And then he uses us. And now generations to come are forever changed. Why? Because God was searching. But he's looking for heart. Oh, Friend, we see what. One man can do who's filled with darkness. We, we see the violent acts of terrorism and the, and the crazy things that are happening in our world. And, and we see how one man can, can give himself over to darkness and bring so much destruction. Right in our backyard there was a school shooting just a few days ago in California. We, we see what can happen when a man gives himself over to darkness. How much more when the people of God... Say yes to the light of God. How much more when the people of God say, you know what, I I don't have it all together, but this little light of mine, come on, can we go to Sunday school real quick? I'm going to let it shine. God's still working on me. I still don't know all the Greek and the Hebrew. I still don't really know my Bible that well, but I love my pastor and I love my church and I love Jesus. So whatever God has done in me, I'm going to let it shine. If, if, If the world is ready to get darker and darker, friend, it's time for the church to get brighter and brighter. It's not full of perfect people, but it's full of willing people that would say, my heart is after God. That's why you're here on a Wednesday night. Oh, come on, give the Lord a praise real quick. I'll move on, I promise. But friend, life is all about choices. I wish it wasn't so black and white, but it is. Friend, you choose Jesus or you choose the enemy. You choose the word of God or you choose the ways of the world. You choose God's way or you choose your way. See, this is a story about a young man who had to make a choice named David. David did not know on that day when he woke up that he would be fighting Goliath. David woke up that day and he was the first ever Domino's pizza delivery boy. He came serving bread and cheese to his brother. Amen. I'm glad it wasn't a kale pine nut salad gluten free. It was bread and it was cheese. People prophesy over me all the time. They say, you have the heart of David. I said, I do. Because I love me some carbs and some dairy. Amen, somebody. He is the bread of life, friend. He ain't the kale of life. He's the bread of life. His name is Jesus. Amen. I just, I'm just saying. I, I know we're in Austin and we're trying to eat organic, but you better give me some bread, all right? If you want me to be happy, you better give me some bread. So. 
David comes with his bread and cheese. And he did not know that on that day he was going to have to deal with the Goliath. Friend, I've got news for you. Most of the time in life, we do not choose our giants. Our giants choose us. Oh, I wish it wasn't true, but it's true, friend. You don't always pick your Goliath. Most of the time, your Goliath picks you. David did not know that he was about to walk into a fight. Friend, we don't always get to pick our fights. And many believers get mad at God and live in bitterness because they're angry with the fight they're in. But friend, you're going to have to make a choice. Do I, do I face my giant or I, do I run back to the sheep? Do I, do I say yes to a destiny moment or do I hide in fear? But friend, if you don't deal with that giant, I know you didn't pick him. I know it picked you. But friend, if you don't deal with it, it's going to deal with you. Chuck Swindoll said it like this. Life is about 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. David did not choose Goliath, but he had to make a choice. Friend, we don't always choose our fight, but we must choose to fight. We don't always choose our storm, but we're going to have to choose to speak to the storm. We don't always choose our situation, but we're going to have to choose to stand in our situation. And friend, if you will, you will not die as a victim to your circumstance because you're mad at what you're in. But rather, you will stand up in the power of God and by the grace of God say, If I'm in it, that means God's in it. And if God's in it, I'm going to see the victory in Jesus' name. David didn't choose Goliath. Goliath chose him. But David made a choice, and we have to make a choice. And the Bible said in verse 16, and I'll just be referencing chapter 17. So I'm just going to give you a lot of verses. But in verse 16, the Bible said for 40 days and for 40 nights, Goliath would go out every morning and every night, and he would curse the people of God every morning and every night. And verse 23 called them his usual taunts week after week. Day after day, morning after morning, evening after evening, Goliath would go out with his usual taunts. See, friend, every one of us in this room has a giant. And every giant has a voice with a taunt speaking to you. And your giant might be a little different than my giant, but we're all dealing with a giant. And every morning you wake up and there's that giant saying, your marriage is never going to get better. And for others of you, you lay your, 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 your head down in the bed every night and he says, you're never going to get healed. You're never going to get healed. And another, another giant said, you're never going to prosper. You're never, really gonna, you're never going to really break into all that God has for you. Every one of us has a giant every morning and every night, every morning and every night, trying to talk us out of everything that God has for us. And I wish I could tell you, pray this little prayer. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and you'll never deal with a giant again. No, friend, I'm sorry, that's not how it works. See, you have an amazing future. And because you have an amazing future, the devil's going to try to do everything that he can to stop you. And he's going to try to talk you out of your destiny. So every morning and every night, this giant would speak. Every morning and every night, this giant would speak. And finally, David said in verse 25, y'all, we got to do something. And Saul says this, have you seen him? Have you heard him? Because what you're looking at consistently and what you're listening to consistently is framing your world 
That's why we got to be careful how much news we watch because all the news is telling us is that the sky is falling and the world is falling apart. Well, well, thank you, Fox News and MSNBC and CNN and woe is me and all the rest of y'all, but my report comes from the Lord and I'm not just going to stare at the news all day in awe of all the terrible things that are happening. I've got another report. It comes from Jesus Christ. But Saul has been staring at a giant. But see, David had been on the backside of the desert worshiping God. Saul was living under the shadow of a giant. But David had been under the shadow of the Almighty. Saul was much smaller than Goliath. But God was much bigger than Goliath. So David was not intimidated by his giant because he knew who his God was. And I want to give you five things from the text tonight, just very, very quickly and very simply, and then we're going to pray at the end. And I believe miracles are going to be released in this room. But see, as you face giants, I wish, again, I wish I could tell you, you're never going to face a giant again after tonight. I wish I could tell you that. But here's what I want to do. I want to give you a little bit of some weapons from the Word. So that when they rise their ugly head up at you, you can speak right to it and see the victory. The first thing you're going to need when you face a giant is a God focus. You're going to need a God focus. See, in verse 26, David said, Who is this guy defying the armies of the living God? See, before verse 26, you don't hear about God. The Israelites are talking about Goliath, and Goliath is talking about the Israelites, but ain't nobody talking about God. Because it's possible to be part of the people of God, part of the church of God, but not have a God focus. You come to church and maybe even love God, but you've never brought God into your circumstance. You've never brought God into your situation. It's easy to see God as a God out there, way out there somewhere, but never bring Him into our right here, right now. But David had a God focus. He said, hey, if we're concerned, that means God's concerned. He got a God focus. Friend, we need a God focus. See, David had been worshiping, so to David, God was a warrior. To David, God was awesome, and to David, God was concerned about what was going on. Friend, do you have a God focus tonight? For some of you, you have a boss focus. Oh, my boss, he's terrible. Oh, they're awful. Oh, some of y'all are real spiritual. Oh, they're evil. Evil. My boss is evil. Some of y'all even know the word. My boss is a Jezebel. My boss is an Ahab. The Lord told me my boss is the Antichrist. Y'all, y'all got, you all got a verse for everything. Friend, stop having a boss focus and get a God focus. Because God said, the heart of the king is in my hand. I'll turn it any way I want. Why don't you start praying for favor with your boss? Why don't you start speaking blessing over your business? Why don't you start speaking blessing over your boss and their family and saying, God, would you save them? Would you use them? Even this Easter Sunday, would you do something in their life? Come on, get a God focus because God can give you unexpected favor in peculiar places. Some of y'all got a spouse focus. Oh, it was great at first. The honeymoon was great. Y'all in Cancun drinking those virgin margaritas loving Jesus. I ain't judging. (laughs) Oh, but it was great, wasn't it? But 
See, you've gotten a spouse focus. You, you, you've forgotten God in your marriage. He said it must be a three-chord strand, not a two-chord. Some of y'all woke up this morning and there they were. And you just looked at them. And they're just so happy sleeping, waking you up. And you just want to grab that glass of water and baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Cast that sleep apnea devil right out of them. Why don't you get a God focus? Why don't you start praying with your spouse? Why don't you get a word from God for your marriage? See, let me tell you, let me tell you how I know God loves marriage and the devil hates marriage. Let me talk to all you men real quick, men, because you can pray in this meeting. You can praise in this meeting. You can go to a, a men's group and love Jesus. You can go in your car, turn on some worship, and really go after God. But the moment it's time to pray with your wife, you lose all that Holy Ghost swag. And you grab her hand and, well, Lord, uh, well, well, praise God, Father God, Father God, Father God. Father. You start saying Father God a million times. You don't even know what you're praying anymore. You start thanking Him for the food y'all ain't even eating. Y'all know it's true. That's why you're laughing. Why don't you pray? Baby, we're going to pray every morning. When I wake up, we're going to pray. If it's, if it's one second, we're going to pray. If, it, if, it's, if it's a one-minute prayer, we're going to pray. And if we're still mad at each other, we're still mad at each other. But we're going to get a God focus. We're bringing God back into our marriage. We're bringing God back into our family. We're bringing God back into our bedroom. Friend, and the moment you get a God focus, God will start talking again. And for some of you, he might say repent. And for others of you, he might say forgive. And for others of you, it might be as simple as saying, you just, need to, you just need to go on a date. Have a little smooch in the car. Steam up the windows. Old school. I'm talking to married people now. All you teenagers don't even get an idea right now. I'm talking to married people. Take her out. Be kind. Be sweet. Ladies, if he takes out the trash, I'm going, yeah, well, you should take out the trash. No, thank him. Give him a kiss feel like Dr. Phil right now. Friend, get a God focus. Stop freaking out about what you cannot change and bring God into your situation because he can bring a change. David had a God focus, friend. Number two, you need a ridiculous reality. Oh, a ridiculous reality. See, in verse 32, David said, don't worry about this giant. Saul replied, don't be ridiculous. You're only a kid. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since he was a child. See, God called David a man. But Saul called him a boy. Because not everyone around you can recognize the anointing on your life. (laughs) And not everyone will celebrate it even if they do see it. But David had a ridiculous reality. See, friend, you're either going to be a don't worry person or a don't be ridiculous person. I want to be a don't worry person. I want to be full of faith. I want to be excited about whatever God's doing. Yeah, Pastor, you want to do four services on Easter? Awesome. We'll pack them all out. I don't think it's going to be enough. God's going to do exceedingly abundantly. I don't want to be a don't be. We need to have four services on Easter. 
I like when the church was smaller. Why are we going to try to bigger build, bigger build? I don't want to be that person. I want to be full of faith. I want to say, Pastor, we're going to take the land. We're going to reach more people. This building isn't big enough. This property isn't big enough. We need more campuses. Don't worry. God's going to give us the city. Come on. Let's get some faith. I want a ridiculous reality. Can I get a witness from anybody who has a little bit of faith in here? And Saul tries to stop him, but verse 34 says David persisted. Here's why. Here is my sermon in a sentence. David persisted because he knew Goliath was an opportunity, not a death sentence. I'm about to run and y'all need to stop because David persisted because he knew Goliath was an opportunity, not a death sentence. Your current giant is an opportunity to take you to the next level. Your current giant is about to reveal the greatness of your God. Your current giant is about to reveal that God's word is true. Here's why. Because Goliath in the Hebrew means to uncover. Goliath means to reveal. Goliath means to disclose. To reveal oneself or to make oneself known. The giant you are currently facing is revealing that you are bigger on the inside than they are on the outside. The giant that you are currently facing is revealing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The giant that you're currently facing is actually telling on itself because it's actually so small when it is revealed against the greatness of your God. Giants reveal your calling. I didn't know I was called to it until I had to deal with it. Giants uncover my gifting. I didn't know I was so gifted till I had to face this situation. Giants make known your anointing to others. You don't know the fullness of your anointing until you face a Goliath. You don't know the power of the anointing until you face a Goliath. Giants cause you to discover the greatness of your God. I know that giant looks big. But it is only revealing how big your God is. I know the giant is bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. I know the giant is stronger than you, but it's not stronger than God. I know that the giant might feel greater than you or the situation might be bigger than you, but it is not bigger than God. Your giant is not a death sentence. It's an opportunity to see the greatest miracles you've ever seen. Give him some praise. Number three, number three, you need a miracle memory. We used to have testimony service in church. We used to testify. Y'all remember that word? What we were saying is tell your story. Friend, David had a miracle memory. David said, I fought the lion. I've killed a bear. And the the lion was bigger than me that I won. And the bear was bigger than me that I won. And this giant is bigger than me, but I'm going to win. Why? Because I can look back 
on my history and see his story, I can look back and see the faithfulness of God in every season of my life. So now that I'm facing this situation, it's not as scary because I remember what God did. Friend, you will either have a miracle memory or a victim mentality. Some of y'all are complaining about the lion. Why'd I have to deal with that lion? Why'd I have to go through that? I don't know. Why did I have to deal with this bear? Why did I have to fight that? I don't know. Friend, there are a lot of things in life that we will not receive the answer for. But friend, if you will look back and if you will choose to see God in it, you will see how he sustained you through that year. You will see how he sustained you through that storm. He will see how goodness and mercy followed you and brought you out of the valley of the shadow of death and pushed you right into your destiny. So I'm not afraid of whatever comes to me in 2017 because over my life, God has been faithful. God has been good. God has sustained me. I've got a miracle memory. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor because I am still here if you're grateful. I need about 200 of you to give God a radical praise. If you got a miracle memory, can you look back on the faithfulness of your God and give him a shout of praise? Clap your hands. Celebrate that God is good. God is a sustainer. God has been faithful. God is faithful. God will always be faithful because he's God and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. I know that your history has pain. I know that life has not been as easy as you wanted it to be. I know not everything worked out exactly how you thought it was going to work out. But friend, get a miracle memory. The fact that you're breathing today, the fact that you're in the house of God today, shows me the faithfulness of God. The fact that I'm standing in this pulpit right now shows me the faithfulness of God. And I choose not to look back over my life and see everything that went wrong. I choose to look back and say somehow through the wrong and through the pain and through the storm and through the trial, God sustained me and God God walked with me. And, and yeah, my life has not been perfect at all, but His presence has been with me through everything. And I'm so grateful. I've got a miracle. I've got a miracle memory. I'm no longer intimidated by my current season because I remember what the Lord has done. See, the Bible over and over and over and over again tells you to remember the Lord. Do not forget the Lord. Here's why. Because the devil, according to Revelation, is the accuser of the brethren. The devil will constantly remind you of everything that has went wrong. So by faith, you have to remember the faithfulness of your God. And he is constantly accusing the brethren. Now, who is he accusing? Yes, he's accusing us to God, but he's also accusing God to us. Because Jesus is our elder brother, Romans 8. So he is constantly telling us 
He hasn't been faithful. He's not going to do it for you. It's not going to work out. You're not going to get healed. You're not going to make it. He's constantly accusing. But that's why we have to look back on the faithfulness of God and choose to say, I remember the Lord. I remember what He has done. I know that He is good. I know that He is kind. I know that He is faithful. And I will not let the devil talk me out of this. And I will not let him tell me that my God is not faithful. No. I see. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, friend. Don't let the devil talk you out of what God is about to do in your life. He is faithful. Remember the Lord. Get a miracle memory. Number four. Number four and the team can come up. As you face giants, you're going to need, number four, a dedication to your future. A dedication to the future. We have a pastor in this church, Pastor Rex, who has a dedication to the future. He's not just thinking about himself, he's thinking about future generations. And in the same way, we must have a dedication to where we are going. See, in verse 39, Saul finally relents and says, okay, if you want to fight Goliath, go ahead. But he said, but you're going to have to do it with my armor. Hmm. But, but Saul had been rejected. So here's what the devil will try to do. You've been anointed, but now he tries to clothe you with something that's been rejected. Hmm. I know you're called and I know you're anointed, but you're going to have to take off the junk that God has rejected. And David says this, verse 39, I can't go in these. Go, future. Go forward. Go into my destiny. Go into all that God has for me. Go, go, go. David said, I can't go with this weight, Hebrews 12. See, friend, not everything is a sin. Some things are just a weight. But weights become sin if you don't deal with them. Do we still talk about sin today? Do we still do that? Is that all right? Can we still talk about it? It's all right. Just smile at your neighbor. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your neighbor. See, see, if you're married in here, you have no business going on Facebook and checking on your exes. All my exes live in. Okay. You should know where they live. Sir, you should know where she lives. Because you got a wife and a baby. Well, it's not a sin. I'm not lusting, but a weight will become a sin. I felt a little prophetic when I said that. That, un- that unchecked criticism, unchecked prejudice, unchecked unforgiveness. David said, I know where I'm going. I, I can't go with this racism. I can't go with this lust. I can't go with this stingy attitude that wants to, that wants to fight everything. I, I can't go with this bitter spirit. <laughs> Man, I know where God's taking me. I know where God's taking me and I can't, I can't take this unforgiveness into my future. So David said, God has rejected it. I must reject it. See, I heard an old preacher say, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I want to say this. There are people who love you and have a wonderful plan for your life. It just might not be God's plan. (laughs) 
See, we, we talk about haters. We're always preaching about haters, right? Haters gonna hate, haters gonna hate, haters gonna If you don't like my page on follow me, haters gonna hate. If you want to hate, uh, I think we, I, I think we think we have haters. You might have like a disliker. And I know it makes you feel important to think you got haters. You ain't got no haters. You might have a disliker here and there. You ain't got no haters. Listen, I wouldn't be concerned about haters. I'd be concerned about lovers. People who love you, but don't have the mind of God for you. Saul, at this time, pastor, loved David. He didn't hate David yet. He loved David. But he did not have the mind of God for David. And there are people that will try to talk you out. Oh, you go to that church? You got a Rex Johnson's church? Why are you mad? What did they do with that money? All they want is your money. What are you talking about? They try to put something on you. You're going to go on a Wednesday night? Why do they talk like that? And if you're not careful, that thing will get on you. It's a spirit, friend. David said, I can't, I can't go in these. See, I'm from Belen, New Mexico, population 1,700, more dairy cows than people. I was born and raised in a trailer, in a trailer park. Y'all thought I said born in a hospital. You missed it. I was born in a trailer, in a trailer park. Seven of us in that little single wide. Now, now, see, every time I talk to my wonderful mama on the phone, my mama ends the conversation with this. Ay, mijo. Got any Hispanics in here? You know what I just said? I, I, mijo. When are you coming home, mijo? Because, because my mom loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. <laughs> and nothing would make her happier than if I lived in Belen, New Mexico. Now, I'm not better than Belen. I'm not better than a trailer park. If God told me to go back tonight, I'd go back tonight. But as of right now, that's not where God is calling me. And people will try to get you into an attitude or into a spirit or into a situation. And and David said, I'm too dedicated to my future. I'm not going to flirt with that person at the office. I'm not going to deal with that thing. I'm not going to open a door to this thing. I'm I'm not going there because I know where I'm going and I know where our family is going and we can't go with these so I must reject what God has rejected love what God has loved so I can have everything that God has for me and my family can I hear an amen from somebody lastly number five you you need a radical faith David said this to the giant, verse 47. He said, "Uh, Goliath, I just need you to know something. This ain't my fight. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. I didn't choose this fight. 
but I chose to fight. But this ain't my fight, devil. <laughs> this is God's fight. Thank you, doctor, for that diagnosis, but this ain't my fight. <laughs> this is God's fight. Thank you, thank you, teenager, for telling me you're an atheist and, 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 and you're not going to come to church anymore. This ain't, this ain't my fight. This is God's fight. Thank you, thank you, spouse, for acting like that and doing what you're doing to our family. But th- this ain't my fight. This is God's fight. This is the Lord's battle. This is the Lord. This is the Lord. This is the Lord's battle. And I've got a radical faith. And my radical faith tells me this, that if I'm in it, God's in it. And if God's in it, God will bring the victory because God is undefeated. God has never lost. He's not going to start with me. He's not going to start with my family. I got a radical faith, not in myself, but in God. This is the Lord's battle, and He will give you to us. Give Him a praise, everybody. Give Him a praise. So I don't fight for victory. I fight from victory. See, see, Goliath made a huge mistake. In verse 10, Goliath said, give me a man. God never forgot those words. He said, okay, you want a man? I'll give you a man. But this man will not just be a good man. He will not just be a holy man. He will not just be even a perfect man or a godly man. This man will be the God man. Devil, you want a man? I'll give you a man. And he will be tempted in all ways. But he will not sin. And though he will heal, he is greater than a healer. And though he will prophesy, he will be greater than a prophet. And though he will deliver, he will be greater than a deliverer. And though he will do miracles, he will be greater than just a miracle worker. This man is the God man. His name is Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, God sent a man. His name is Jesus. And on that cross, he bled and he died. And on that cross, he paid for your sin and for my sin. And on that cross, he pushed us out of the way because it should have been you and it should have been me on that middle cross. But he said, get yourself out of the way. I will pay the price. I will pay the penalty. I will die the death. I will be buried and I will conquer sin. I will conquer hell. I will conquer sickness. I will conquer the grave. I will give you a man. His name is Jesus and because of what Jesus did for me when he rescued me I know he will rescue me so Romans 8.32 says it this way if he did not spare his son won't he give us everything else The Apostle Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, says, If the Father sent Jesus, His greatest gift, only give us everything else that we need. If, if, if He gave you Jesus, only give you healing. If He gave you Jesus, can He help your family? That's the only, that's the only way I know how to say it. August 4, 2006, Norman Chambers walked down the middle row of a church and the preacher said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And 
Norman Chambers said, I do. And in that moment, he gave me the greatest blessing he had. Greatest gift he had. His child. Fast forward to Christmas 2016. We got in off an airplane on Christmas Day. I was hungry, a little bit tired, maybe a little grumpy. I walked into the house. And I did not stop at the fridge and say, Hey, Norm, can I have some food? I walked into that fridge and I grabbed turkey and I grabbed mashed potatoes and I grabbed a Coca-Cola, grabbed a little eggnog. We're Mexicans, so I grabbed some tamales. I grabbed a little bit of everything. See, I didn't ask because he already gave me his greatest gift. I don't think he cared about a Coca-Cola. He already gave me the greatest thing he could give me, his child. Would he not give me his provision? See, the Lord who rescued you on the cross is the Lord who will rescue you today because if he sent Jesus, he will send deliverance. If he gave us Jesus, he will give us healing. If, if, if he gave us Jesus, he will give you freedom in your mind. If he gave you Jesus, he could definitely release that miracle. If he did not spare his son, won't he give us everything else? The Lord who rescued me will rescue me. I want you to stand your feet. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Would you sing something to him?